As we continue in worship, we do so to hear God's word this morning from the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 22 to 31. Hear these words. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it. To an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs. For he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. And some, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone, everywhere, to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for your grace and for your love and your joy amongst us. And Lord, as we enter into this time of deep discipleship, we ask for you to open our hearts, our minds, and our ears so that we may be attentive to you speaking to us. Turn out the distractions of our day and our lives so that we may hear what you have in this moment. Lord, may I become less so that you may be more in our lives and in my life. And may the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I know this is Mother's Day, and I'm sure we would love for me to start the sermon with talking about Anna Jarvis or how you can't celebrate West Vir Mother's Day without saying, thank a West Virginian. That's my usually go-to when I was serving in Kentucky. I would always try to make them remember that if it wasn't for West Virginia, you wouldn't celebrate Mother's Day. And they got kind of tired of it after a while. And that's why I'm here in, back in West Virginia, where we celebrate Mother's Day and pepperoni rolls as if they are our heritage, right? So we would prefer probably for me to start this sermon with Mother's Day, except my heart is leaning more towards St. Patrick. 
Now, not to celebrate St. Patrick's Day and saying let's all dress in green and, and try to talk like we're Irish and do things that I don't want to know about what you do in your own home is your business I don't want to know about. But I want to talk about what St. Patrick really was about. This 5th century bishop, whom I was reminded of my love of a few weeks ago when I was having some conversation about a mutual professor of ours with a friend that reminded us of how this professor taught us to admire St. Patrick. And how he said that St. Patrick was the one person that we needed to hear from the most in this time that we live in today. This time in which we live in that seems like everything is is odd, everything is changing, nothing seems like it used to be, and it seems like as soon as we get used to something, everything changes all of a sudden. St. Patrick was held in captivity by the Irish for a season and then went back to Britain. But he felt his heart desiring to go back to Ireland. He wanted to go back to preach and love these people. And so eventually he became a pastor, eventually he was appointed a bishop, and eventually he goes back to Ireland. He goes in, he moves into the community, and he starts to build relationships with the people. He starts to get to know them. He didn't see them anymore as these barbarians, these odd Celtics. He started to see them as his friends, his neighbors. Started to value them for being people of God. He built relationships, and out of those relationships, he was able to use the things in their community to tell the story of God. Their heritage, their culture, their stories, their imagery became the entry point for Patrick to tell the story of God's amazing love in a way in which they would hear it, in a way that they could accept it, and in a way in which they could hear that God loves them just as much as God loves St. Patrick. The fruit of that work was something that we call Celtic Christianity, a form of Christianity that is indigenous to that region, that has a love of God, that has a deep passion for God, but yet is cultural in its understanding. St. Patrick went to the people met them where they were, and told the story of God. Much like what we see Paul doing in our passage in Acts 17 today. Paul moves into the neighborhood on his second missionary journey. He's gone on one missionary journey and has gone over the Asia Minor and into the Mediterranean region, and now he's back on his second trip, this time a little bit more on his own. And he's staying a little bit longer in some of these communities, getting to know them, getting to know their stories, getting to know the people. And in this particular case, he's in the city of Athens in the country of Greece, one of the most prominent cities in Paul's time, one of the most ancient cities of civilization, a place of philosophy, a place of worshiping multiple gods. Paul had moved into this region and spent some time there, time enough to where earlier in Acts 17, we had heard Paul getting frustrated with just how many gods the people in Athens were truly worshiping. 
And how everywhere he went, he saw idol after idol after idol to all of these different gods. But Paul continued to preach. He continued to go to the synagogues and the marketplace to do that which Paul would do when he moved into a community. That is to tell people about Jesus. To tell people about the amazing love of God. To tell people about the God who never abandons us. The God who created the world and who loves each and every one of us. Eventually, some philosophers and some people of the town started to hear of Paul and his message. And they said, Paul, we want to hear from you. We want you to tell us of this new thing, that this new philosophy that you're telling us about. We're always interested in learning some new things. So tell me this thing. What they didn't realize is Paul was expressing the truth that of the one who has been there for all time. Nothing new, just the same continuous story breathing new life into all of us. And so Paul goes with the people to what the New Living Translation says was to the council, but in the Greek and in the New Revised Standard Version, you see it being named as the Areopagus or Mars Hill. It was this stone structure where you would go to try people for murder. It was a place for debate, but it was also this place to try people. So here's this important place in the city of Rome, of Athens, that Paul is being invited to, to say something about God. To say something about God. Help us to understand who this God is that you proclaim. So Paul begins by saying something that he appreciated in the people. He had spent enough time with them that he got to know them. He got to hear their stories. He got to hear who they were. And he said, look, I've been spending some time with you. The one thing I love about you is you're at least religious. You may be worshiping 900 gods I've never heard of, but at least you know there's something deeper to life than us. At least you know that there's something bigger in this world than you and I. At least you have this desire in your heart to worship. And I want to build on that. Because I appreciate that in you. That you have this desire to worship. And I also note that you have questions. You have questions about faith. You have questions about God. Because as I was coming in here, you had this altar. This altar to an unknown God. Jerome, an early church interpreter, commentator of the scripture, said that perhaps that Paul didn't see an altar that said to an unknown God, but most likely to unknown gods, but made some literary choices with his words in order to prove his greater point. To a culture that was polytheistic, he was talking to us in the terms of monotheism, of worship of the one true God. So let me tell you about this God that you worship in unknown terms. Let me talk to you about this God that I worship. Paul's paying attention to the community. Paying attention to their stories. 
Paying attention to what they are passionate about. Paying attention to what they're concerned about. Paying attention to what they're struggling with. And then using that as a way to enter into a deeper discussion about God. Paul's eyes were wide open looking for the opportunities to build a bridge into the community he was seeking to share the love of God with. To tell the story of God's amazing love. Eyes wide open looking for opportunities to share God's love. Several years ago, I was with a church and we would do these back to school bashes with the county school system. Every year they would invite people to come to the one high school in the county to hand out back to school supplies. The kids would come in and they would wrap around the high school and all the community organizations and churches and others would come and we would fill their backpacks up with enough school supplies to get them through the first two weeks of school. Because we all know with how much paper and pencils and everything else you use, it probably just lasts two weeks anyways. So at least we got you started. Well, my church at this time was a small church with not a lot of money, so we did everything by whatever we could find. Our church sign was whatever Abby and I could draw that looked halfway decent on a cardboard paper that we duct taped to the table. We weren't like the State Farm agent or the police department or these other churches in town that could afford the big kitten caboodle, but we just wanted to be there to say we loved you. And so everyone that came through our station got a little pencil and a bookmark that I made off of something I don't even know where I got the design from. But I remember this one kid that was coming through the line. I probably saw him as far as like from where Mary and I are standing from each other. And he's coming and he's just got his backpack and he's just trying to get through the line. Well, I paid attention and I saw this shirt that this kid was wearing. This kid was wearing this John Cena t-shirt. Pro wrestler, actor, goofy guy. I'm gonna make a connection to this kid. So this kid comes up to me, and I'm, my volunteers and others, they're handing them the pencil and the bookmark that's got all of our worship times and everything on it. And before this kid could leave, I just said, hey kid, look, you can't see me. He looked at me like, oh my God, a pastor knows what I love. And he did it back, you can't see me. That was Cena's move, you can't see me. It made his day. I guarantee you that kid left that building knowing that goofy pastor from some church that duct taped their sign on the table loves me. Because they paid attention to what I cared about. They paid attention to what I cared about. If I was smart, I would have used that opportunity to say, hey, if you think that's funny, you should see my preaching on Sundays. And come join us every week. There's counseling available on Wednesdays for you for my preachings. But Paul took that opportunity. 
He didn't just make the connection. He built upon the connection. He said this one God is the God who created everything. He created all the universe. Created you and I. Gives breath and life to our very meanings of who we are. Lives and moves and has his whole way amongst us. Is not made or could be held in temples or in shrines. He lives and moves amongst us as a living, breathing God. And we can't do anything for God, but yet the one thing that God desires of all of us is for us to know him and to serve him. That's all God desires is for us to love and to serve. Not to build big temples, not to build shrines, not to try to encapsulate God into nice boxes, but just to love and serve the Lord. Because God loves you no matter what. And that God created you and out of your, uh, his own image because he loves you and wants nothing more than for you to see him at work in your life. So why don't you come and be a part of this? Why don't you turn away from the worship of false idols? Why don't you turn away from the worship of false gods? Why don't you come and worship the one true God. And in the place where they would try people for murder, he says that Jesus is the one, the one appointed for all time to show that God lives and that God loves. And that because of Jesus, we can have assurance in that God is real and that God is true and that God is at work in all of our lives. Paul took the moment, the opportunity built upon relationships and connections to tell the story of God. Luke tells us later on that some were convinced and wanted to learn more and others were not so sure what to make of it, but Paul took the opportunity. He didn't wait for someone else to do it. He didn't say, well, it's not my job. He didn't say that I'm not smart enough. He said, I've got something to tell. And I got people that I know in a community that's around me that I'm connecting with. How can I use those to tell others about who God is? The whole story of Paul's missionary journeys were looking for those moments like St. Patrick to move into the neighborhood to tell the story of God's agape love. We are called to do the same. We are called to move into our neighborhoods, to go out of our walls of this church and to make connections in our community. Not the community that existed 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. But the community that exists now. The community that's struggling with how do we move forward? Community that struggles with how are we going to find enough teachers next year? Community that struggles with jobs. A community that struggles with loss. 
and and feelings of hopelessness. Communities that look like us. Our neighbors, our friends, our community, we are called to go make connections with them. Not to wait for them to come to us, but to go to them. We live in a time in which statistics tell us, and we can know the old joke, we can make statistics tell us whatever we want them to say, but 40% of the nation right now is never gonna step in foot into an established church. 40% right off the top. So why aren't we going to them? They're not gonna come to us, so let's go to them. Go where they are in the McDonald's, in the Paneras, in the Targets, the Walmarts, the Ruritans, the schools. Build relationships, move into the neighborhood and use those opportunities to say, let me tell you about God. Let me tell you about my church. Let me tell you about my goofy pastor who used some pro wrestling signal I had never heard of before in worship. Let me tell you about an amazing love. If we're waiting and playing defense the whole time of our mission and ministry, waiting for people to come to us, we will never make a difference in our community. We've got to play offense. And by playing offense, we go into the neighborhoods. We go into the communities. We go where we already are. and use those moments to tell God's story. Every day, you are missionaries. Every day, you have a mission to tell the story of God's love through your words, through your actions, and through your deeds. We leave this church on a mission for God to move into our community and to tell the story of God's amazing love. So how will you live into that mission today? How will you live into your purpose as a church today? How will you go into Barbersville, in Huntington, in Milton, in Ona, in Pea Ridge Road? How will you go to Target and Walmart in Kroger, Village of Barbersville, Barbersville Milton, Marshall University, Mont West. These places that we have interactions with. How will you go in there and tell the story of God with every opportunity that you have and let people know that God loves them and so do we. Let that be our work today. Let that be our mission today. Let that be what defines us in every breath of our life, to go and tell others about Jesus. Will you pray with me? Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for your love. We give you thanks for your joy. We give you thanks for the mission that you give us. 
to go and tell your story, to go and be your missionaries, to find ways to tell the story, to find ways to share hope, to find ways to express your love. So empower us, God, as your people. Empower us with your love. Empower us with the joy. Empower us with the boldness to go forth from this place to tell the amazing story of your love. Through Christ we pray. Amen.